0: If you have your Bibles today, I want to ask you to take them and open them with me to the New Testament book of Colossians, to Colossians chapter 1, for this morning's message and for our time together today. Uh, Today, I want to encourage you to do something a little different. Today is a unique day for us at Crosslink. We are not yet in a new sermon series, and for many of us here today, it's the first time that we've gathered here in this new year. So with this unique opportunity, there are some unique situations that we're going to have today. The first is is that the style of message that I preach this morning is going to be a little different than normal. Most of the time when we open God's word here at Crossing, we have an expository study of any passage of scripture where we go verse by verse through whatever that passage of scripture is. Today, we're gonna look at God's word in a topical way. And so what that means is we're gonna look at a topic, and this topic is the topic of the gospel, and we're gonna look at it from several passages of scripture. So I wanna encourage you today to make sure you have your Bible open. We're gonna turn to four different passages of scripture. And if you don't feel like looking or maybe it's too challenging to do so, the words will be here on the screen in front of you here for just a moment. Here in this gathering today, we have many faithful members of Crosslink who have been here for a long time. We also have many uh, guests who have been with us over the last several months, and maybe you're taking steps and praying about this being your church home. No doubt, on a Sunday like today, we also have many people who are joining us for the very first time. As you've started this new year, you're making some steps in the right direction in different areas of your life, and part of that for you is getting involved in a church, and you're here today, and we welcome you. And then there are some of you here today that have been going through quite a transition in your life and in your ministry, and you're here today just trying to discern what is it that God is wanting you to do, and what does that look like here in this new year? For all of us here today, all across the spectrum, there is a simple message that I believe God wants us to hear. It's really a message that I believe should be a rallying point, and frankly, a rallying cry for every single person who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, If you're here today and you've never heard the gospel or never received it by faith, today you're going to have the opportunity to hear it clearly and to receive it by faith. But if you have received the gospel, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, my hope and prayer is that in these moments today that God would strengthen that resolve, he would renew your focus and lead you to a renewed commitment in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. From Colossians chapter 1, I want to preach you this morning on this subject. His truth is marching on. His truth is marching on. In our time together today, we're gonna look at God's word about the importance of the gospel, but we're also gonna have kind of a a state of the church address where we hear today who we are as Crossland Community Church, what God has called us to do, and where we're going as we move forward into that. It may seem strange on a day like this to title the message, His truth is marching on, when in reality, much of what we've experienced in our life and in our culture over the past almost two years has been anything but a marching on and a moving forward. In fact, if you look back to just March of 2020, which for some of us feels like 10 years ago, it seemed like suddenly in March, everything came to a sudden standstill. We began to hear about a virus called the coronavirus, now better known as COVID-19. And literally it seemed like the entire world came to a screeching halt as everybody waited and wondered in anticipation what was going to come of this virus. Many businesses were closed and people were sent home. Kids were sent home from school and uh, pivoted to online learning. And we waited to see what would happen. Eventually, of course, things reopened and things began to try to resume in some capacity, but quickly we found that even the economy had come to a screeching halt and everything was kind of at a stalemate, if you will. By the fall of 2020, all over the country and just about every region you can imagine, we learned that we were in a housing crisis and frankly, there was little to no movement. It seemed like everything had come to a standstill. Fast forward into 2021, in the midst of all the political divide and all the issues that had happened, we began to learn about literally goods and supplies that would be limited on shelves because many of those things were sitting in ships off the coast because they couldn't get to a port. Everything seemed to have stopped. Talk about a standstill. Even in Virginia this week on I-95... I learned the other day that one of the family members of one of our staff here at the church was on that interstate for over 27 hours. Very few things in recent days have seemed to be moving, much less marching on forward. And yet, in the midst of the climate, in the midst of the culture, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the stalemate, so to speak, I want to remind you of something. God is God. He is in control and even though it may seem that the world and everything around us stops his truth the gospel is still marching on. It doesn't matter what's happening on the political scene. It doesn't matter what's happening in D.C. It doesn't matter what's happening in the weather. It doesn't matter what's happening on the interstate because God is God. He is still working and moving in ways that are higher than ours, in thoughts that are higher than ours, in plans that we may not fully comprehend, but we can know he is still working and he's still moving to accomplish his plans and purposes in the world today. In Colossians chapter one, we see loud and clear that no matter what circumstances we may face, the truth of the gospel is still marching on. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. Look at these four verses of scripture and we're gonna focus in on one phrase of verse six. The Bible says this, we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Praying always for you. Can I just pause for a moment of church and say, your pastors are praying diligently for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth. What is the word of truth? The gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and what's the next word? Increasing. Even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and you understood the grace of God and truth. Listen to that phrase again in verse six. Just as in all the world also, it, the gospel, is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. His truth is marching on. Let's pray together. God, would you speak to our hearts and minds right now to encourage us, to challenge us, to strengthen us and to renew our focus on you and the callings that you've placed upon our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I love this pastor scripture as Paul is writing to the church at Colossae in the midst of the adversity they were facing, in the midst of the uncertainty that they were facing, and here's what he says. The gospel is still marching forward, and the gospel is still increasing, and it's still being fruitful among you. The apostle Paul could personally testify to that in his own life. In Philippians chapter 1, in a time where he had been imprisoned and his freedoms were limited and his future was uncertain, he would say this in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. He would say, my circumstances have led to the greater progress of the gospel. The reality is today in our life, there are many aspects of our life where things are very different today than we envisioned just 24 months ago. 24 months ago, it seemed that everything was going fine and dandy, perhaps, and we were looking forward to all the things that awaited us. And then all of a sudden, with the pandemic and all the political chaos, everything, it seems, has been put on hold. And yet, in the midst of it all, God has still been working and he's still been moving. And we certainly experience that here at Crosslink. We've experienced that because the focus of this church, the focus of our mission, the focus of our lives is simply this. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, loud and clear, the apostle Paul would say in his life, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I'm not afraid of what might happen to me because of the gospel because the gospel message must be proclaimed. Why? Because the gospel message is the only message that has the power to save souls, to change lives, to restore homes. The gospel is the only message that can declare the reality of heaven being their home. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Because the gospel is the power of God to salvation, I believe today the gospel must be our focus. And I want us to see that this morning in this time together in three ways. With each point, we're going to turn to a different pastor scripture, and the words, of course, will be on the screen before you. With each point, I want to ask you to pause for a moment and consider this. Do I believe this? And more importantly, do I practice this? Is this evident in my life? Is it more than just a mental understanding or is it truly put in action in my life? Three things I want you to see about the gospel. Number one, if you're ready, would you say amen? Amen. All right, number one, the gospel is our message. The gospel is our message. If you're here today, my hope and prayer is loud and clear that you hear who we are at Crosslink Community Church and what we're all about. But it's also my hope and prayer for each of us individually that we make sure these things are true in our life and that we apply them if not. The gospel is to be our message. Have you ever thought this morning about the message that your life is conveying to others? Many people think about their life as a message and they get very focused on social media and what they're portraying about their life and they want to create a certain brand or perception or image for other people to respond in a favorable way. At the same time, each of us in our life, we allow our life to be characterized by various messages with people. We might talk with people, for example, about different things like sports and the weather and business and family and politics and all the different things that we might fill our life with. But there is no more crucial and important message that we can convey with our lives and with our words than the message of the gospel. Unfortunately, many times we get it wrong along the way. We live our life distracted and it becomes unclear or maybe we're uncertain of what the gospel really is and as a result of that, it can be very easy for us to be confusing in our message. I Think about that and I'm reminded of many ads throughout the years that have kind of conveyed a mixed message that sometimes can be quite humorous. For example, in one ad, there was a deli that was promoting turkey for $2.25 a pound, beef for $2.35 a pound, and children for $2 a pound. Not a very good message, I don't imagine. Uh, One person who owned an apartment complex was promoting the the fact that there was an apartment for rent, and here's what they said, for rent, four bedroom, hated apartment. I don't think that's what they were trying to convey in their message. Uh, Randy Falls would appreciate this. An auto repair shop in their message, here's what they said, and their quote, free pickup and delivery, try us once and you'll never go anywhere again. I don't know if that's what they were trying to convey. But my favorite, no doubt, was the farmer who needed some help on his farm. And so he posted these simple words, wanted man to take care of cow that does not smoke or drink. I don't know about you, but it comforts me to know that cow was sober-minded, okay? (laughs) The truth of the matter is our message can be all confused sometimes. But God in his word has clearly defined for us What the gospel is. So I want you to look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to really look at verses 1 through 4 at the gospel message defined. Listen to what the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. Listen to this aspect of the gospel, verse three and four. For I am delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Pause for just a moment. What Paul is doing loud and clear in this moment is defining for us, he's giving clarity for us of what the gospel message really is. The gospel message is the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he rose again from the grave. The reason that's important is because there are many people in our world today who try to dilute and to distort the simplicity of the gospel. Many dilute the simplicity of the gospel. In fact, they would say, hey, listen, if you want to be right with God, if you want to be with heaven, you just got to have faith. Like the old song, you just got to have faith. But I want to remind you today, you can believe in many things, but that does not mean that many things are true. Your faith is only as sure as the object of your faith. And if your faith is in anyone or anything apart from Jesus Christ, then it is a dead, worthless, and lifeless faith. Jesus said in John 14, verse six, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. You can put your faith in a pastor, you can put your faith in a denomination, you can put your faith in some other religious leader or some other religious movement or creed or tribe, but I'm telling you, the only faith that brings salvation is faith found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because only he lived a sinless life. Only he died on the cross as a substitute for your sins and for mine. Only he was put in that borrowed tomb, and only he rose again from the grave. The only one who can give eternal life is he who is the Lord of life, and that is Jesus Christ. Many tried to dilute that message, and they oh, there's many ways. And others tried to distort that message. They distorted by adding to it. They oh, that's good about Jesus. It's good to know about him. Oh, he, you know, he died and all those different things. But but it's really about your works and it's about what you do. When they begin to talk about their relationship with God, they begin to talk about how often they go to church, how often they pray, all the good works they do for their neighbor, all the creeds they remember, all the righteous acts that they do, but the bottom line is this, it becomes about a man-made religion. It's all about what they do. The truth of the gospel message is that it's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus has already done. He died, was buried, and rose again, and all who believe in him are saved by grace. This message defined is simply this. It's about the grace of God. And that's why the apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15 says it repeatedly, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's only by God's grace that I experience this reality that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. It's only by his grace, and the truth of the matter is today the only way we can be saved. It is not by our good works. It is by hearing that gospel message and receiving it by faith. And when we do, we experience God's grace. This is The message defined. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why today the gospel is our message, not only individually, but here at Crosslink, it is why it is explained in every service. It's why it's at the heart of every effort. And it's also why it's at the forefront of every single event. It is all about the gospel. But secondly, not only has the message been defined, the messengers have been defined. If the gospel is our message, it's not only been defined in that it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, even the messengers have been defined. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul says it loud and clear in this way. He says, I delivered to you what I also received. In fact, if you go back and read verses 5 through 11 of this chapter, Paul begins to identify the apostles and the people of the early church who had received this gospel message. Why? Because Paul understood something. To receive the gospel by faith means that God has entrusted the gospel to you and God entrusts the gospel to you for the purpose of delivering it to others. In other words, the apostle Paul knew this. When you receive the gospel by faith, you don't just become a reservoir to hold it in, you become a channel through which God works and speaks so that the gospel goes forth through your life. The messenger's defined. Maybe another way to say that is simply this. If you have received the gospel message by faith, God has done so for the purpose not only of saving you, but calling you so that you might share the gospel with others. Author Robbie Gallaty reminds us of that importance when he made this quote. Here's what he said. He said, the gospel came to you because it was going to someone else. The gospel came to you. Someone shared it with you, a friend or a coworker, or a family member, even the preacher. So here's the question. If you've received the gospel, what are you doing with it? How are you sharing it? Have you accepted your role as a messenger of the gospel? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18 and 20 says it this way. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And what did he do? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. Many will hear those words and say, that's right, Pastor Matthew, that's Paul's calling. That's the Apostle Paul's role. He had a ministry of reconciliation. He had a word for how people could be reconciled to God. Please miss, don't miss this. The context of those ver- words is found in the previous verse, in verse 17, where God spoke through the Apostle Paul and said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, all who have believed in Jesus who have become a new creation, all things have passed away, all things have become new, all who are new in Christ have been given a ministry and a word of reconciliation. What is that word? It is the word and the message of the gospel that Jesus alone saves, that he died, was buried, and rose. Again, here's the question. Is the gospel your message? Is the gospel the clearest message emanating from your life? What do people know about your life by how you live, by what you talk about, by what you share? Many of us are known by our businesses. Many of us are known by our sports teams. Many of us are known from the region and country that we're from. And y'all pick with me about it being from Alabama all the time. And yes, people from Alabama can talk fast. (laughs) But are you known for the gospel? The gospel's our message. Number two, the gospel is our motive, The gospel is our motive. Not only is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to be our main message, it is to be our motive in all that we do. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look with me just a few pages over to the left, if you will. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about his motive in the gospel. Here's what he says. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. That's a lot of verbiage, but please understand the emphasis here is Paul saying, I'm doing everything I can to win people for Jesus, verse 22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things, To all men, so that I may by all means save some. Listen to this, verse 23. I do, what's the next two words? All things for the sake of the what? Gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. In other words, Paul says loud and clear his passion, his drive, his focus, the reason he did what he did, he did all things for one primary sake, for the sake of the gospel. Now, let's just pause for a moment and be honest about the society in which we live today. This is a challenge for us. We live in a culture that says, you do you. Be who you want to be, do what you want to do, live how you want to live. You are your own boss, you answer to nobody, you do you. But God shows us loud and clear that the life that's lived for his kingdom purpose, it's not about who we want to be, what we want to do, how we want to live, what feels good to me, what do I want to experience, what's easy and comfortable and convenient for me, what makes me feel better about everything. No, no, no. The life that's surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ has one primary motive. It is to live our life for the glory of God. And how do we bring glory to him? It is there to live our life in obedience to him by taking the gospel message to every single person and every single place that God might lead us. Paul says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. The motive is simply this. It's not to prove a point, but it's to declare the truth of who Jesus is so that others can hear and others have the opportunity to respond by faith. Paul says loud and clear. He's not living for his preferences. He's not living for his conveniences according to what he wants. He literally calls himself a slave. It's not about better no. It's about surrendering myself to the will of the Father, no matter what that might be, in order that souls will be saved, lives will be changed, and God's kingdom will be furthered. Here's a question for us. Can that same motive be said of us. Do we willingly lay down our own wants and preferences for the sake of the gospel? Do we willingly put the needs of others above ourselves for the sake of the gospel? Do we look for ways to serve rather than wanting to be served all for the sake of the gospel? This morning, as we launch into 2022 together as a congregation at Crosslink Community Church, I, I want to remind us here at Crossling that this is the answer to our big why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we minister the way that we do? Why do we have the ministries and programs and opportunities and events that we do? Why? The big answer to the why is this. It is for the sake of the gospel, We're not just passing the time and going through the motions and throwing a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. We're not about just kind of wasting our time. It's all for the sake of the gospel. Why do we have a children's ministry where week in and week out, we're trying to engage children on their level in a way that they can understand. It's for the sake of the gospel. Why do we have a student ministry that meets in large groups and in small groups and we find creative ways throughout the year with different events and activities to engage them? Why? It's not to pass the time or to have a cool experience. It is for the sake of the gospel. Why as a church over the last three years have we worked so intently to get out of debt and get that behind us? Because it's for the sake of the gospel. Why in the midst of a pandemic have we given so much to missions and supported our ministry partners throughout literally the ends of the earth? Here's why. It's for the sake of the gospel. Why do we do what we do and why do we partner with so many? It's for the sake of the gospel. Why do we look to expand facilities? Why do we look towards church planting? It's all for the sake of the gospel. The truth is today, we need to hear this. It is so easy at times for us to get caught up in all the what's that we miss the whys. It's easy for us to get caught up, so to speak, in the outside decorations and all the gift wrapping that we lose the fact that the main gift is Jesus. Some might look at the stage in the children's ministry room and say, well, what's the deal? Why the the purpose for all the props and all the different decorations? We might look at the student ministry, and well, why, why this type of music and why this type of setting and why some of these games and activities? We might look at the lawn party, well, why are we doing this and why are we doing that and why are we spending so much investment of time and resources to help our medical community and to be a blessing to the public school system and to partner with local law enforcement officers? We might come to a Christmas service and say, why in the world is there snow falling from the ceiling? Please understand, those are just outward Gift wrapping, so to speak. that They're just outward things. The chicken nugget trays and the smoothies. They're just outward things. The gift is the gospel. And our motive in all that we're doing and in everything that we strive to do, it is to build relationships so that when the gospel is presented, that the gospel will be heard. And when the gospel is heard, it can be received by faith. And when it's received by faith, it brings salvation of souls. And heaven is declared. And God gets the victory. The gospel is our motive. Crossland Community Church, I'm asking you individually to consider, is the gospel your motive? Is the gospel your passion? Is the gospel your focus? If not, let's make it our motive in all that we do. The third thing I want you to see this morning about the gospel is this. The gospel is our mission the gospel is our mission. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter four for just a moment. And I want us to see an interesting passage scripture. And truth be told, there's a lot of other passages that we could turn to to be reminded of this because Paul shows us loud and clear that the gospel is not just something he preached, it's something that he practiced. It was the priority in his life. But as we look at this gospel as our mission, I think we see it in a very interesting way. We say it here at Crosslink all the time. Our mission at Crosslink is to impact the valley and to bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's try that again. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the? Gospel. Hallelujah, you got it. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. But I wanna remind us of a few things about this calling. First, this calling comes from Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, these simple words, go therefore, remember that word, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Jesus commissioned us to do this. Now to be clear, the Great Commission is more than just the gospel, but it begins with the gospel. That is the message that we're taking and we're proclaiming. But please be reminded, God is calling us, he has called and equipped us as followers of Christ to be the ones to take that gospel message to the ends of the earth. Or as one writer said it years ago, the gospel has feet, ours. Romans 10 says it this way, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him and whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? For just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things? Can I ask you a personal question? It might be crossing a line, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you have beautiful feet? I don't think anybody has beautiful feet, I'm just gonna be honest with you. But from God's description How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? What is the good news? It's the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel according to God's definition? Do you have beautiful feet? Because you're taking the gospel to your friends and to your neighbors and your coworkers and your family, even to the ends of the earth. This is our mission. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter four, and I want you to look with me at verses three through 12, because I want us to be reminded about something in this mission of the gospel. The first thing I want to be reminded of this is that there's a cost for this mission. Now, that's not popular preaching, but it's the truth. Listen to what the apostle Paul says in verse three. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world is blind to the minds of the unbelieving so that they might, see, might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whom is, who's the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Listen to verse seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That treasure is the gospel so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Listen to this statement. So death works in us, but what? But life in you. This mission of the gospel first reminds us that there's a cost of the mission. The cost of the mission is loud and clear. Paul shows us that the mission of the gospel ultimately was worth giving our own lives for. The apostle Paul faced rejection and ridicule, persecution and all sorts of trials, all because he was simply proclaiming the message of the gospel and doing everything that he could with every breath and every fiber of his being to make sure the gospel went to the ends of the earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul sheds light on some of the things that he experienced as a cost, so to speak, of the mission. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he explains to us how he persevered and why and how he endured. Listen to what he says. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I love this. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. I want you to hear that statement. How could Paul persevere and pay whatever cost for the sake of the gospel? Here's how. He said, I did not count my life as dear to myself, but I willingly gave it. Why? So that I might solemnly testify of the gospel of the grace of God. In fact, it's interesting to me, when you study the life of all of the disciples, of course, apart from Judas, After the resurrection of Christ, every single one of them gave their lives until God called them home for the sake of the gospel. In fact, all but the apostle John died a martyr's death. It was as if their life motto was this, my life for the gospel. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you were being asked to determine your life motto, what would it be? What is the great cause that you're giving your life for and what difference will it make in eternity? Are you willing to pay the cost? Are you doing whatever it takes to take the gospel message to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, throughout the valley, to places in need, even to the ends of the earth? I submit to us this morning that if Jesus would willingly give his life to pay the price for our sins, then there should be no cost too great for us to pay in taking this good news even to the ends of the earth. The final thing I want you to see about this mission is the celebration of the mission. Remember, it is the gospel, and it is the gospel message that is the power of God unto salvation. In other words, when someone hears that gospel message and they receive it by faith, they respond to it by turning to Jesus and turning away from their sin, when that happens, no matter what the cost we have paid in the process, I'm just telling you today, there is great joy and great, great, great celebration. In fact, the Bible tells us that there is rejoicing in the presence of God all throughout the heavens when just one sinner repents and comes to Jesus. What an incredible thought. To know that when someone calls upon Jesus as Lord and Savior, even the heavens erupt in celebration. People have commented before when we have baptisms here at Crosslink that they sometimes feel a little uncomfortable because when someone's baptized, we celebrate and hoot and holler like it's a football game. We really do. It's exciting, right? Because it's a celebration. Someone is publicly demonstrating what's taken place in their life as they put their faith in Jesus. The Apostle Paul in this moment, he confessed that he was afflicted, he'd been persecuted and even struck down all for the sake of the gospel. But he did not despair. Why? Because even in that, there was reason for celebrating. Even in the midst of his hardship of proclaiming the gospel, even in the midst of the adversity of the work, even with the uncertainty of what would come as a result of his obedience, there was celebration. Why? He tells us in verse 12. So death works in us, but life in you. When you and I are faithful to live out the gospel, when you and I are faithful to share the gospel, speaking those words of truth to others in our life, not everyone will receive it. Not everyone will respond favorably. But as we share, God will use those seeds. God will water those seeds to bring fruit bring a harvest, that even in our lives, we'll find, even as the apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter one, that the gospel continues to bear fruit and to increase. In other words, his truth, the gospel, will still be marching on. Paul would celebrate the gospel because even when he faced much challenge and consequence and hardship, he saw God working and moving in incredible ways. Truth be told, I think even as the apostle Paul's life came to an end and even as he would soon die for the cause of Christ, I don't know if he could envision all that God was going to do in the coming days. Who would ever thought even all the place here in Harrisonburg, Virginia, we'd still be gathered today and God would be working and moving the way that he is. But in the same way that Paul celebrated, I think it's important for us as a body of believers at times to be intentional to take time to celebrate what God is doing. When I look at Crosslink Community Church and consider the past of many years ago. When I consider what God has been doing just in the most recent years here and what I believe God is calling us to, frankly, there is much reason for celebrating. And so today, I want to take the rest of our time together for a few minutes to have a time of celebration. To to celebrate some of the things God's doing. If you were here in our ministry meeting back in in the beginning of December, sorry, in November, you've heard some of these things, but some of you are going to hear these things for the very first time. And as I share them, I want us to celebrate together what God is doing. I, I want you to know today that any number that you hear or any event that you hear suggested, it is not about the number. It is not about an event. It is about what God is doing to save souls and to change lives and to work here. But in that celebration, I also believe there are some things that, God is wanting us to convey about where we're at and where we believe God is calling us to go moving forward. So are you ready? Let me share with you some praises of what God's been doing in different areas here in the ministry of the church. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at these words of praise according to our four core values, experiencing Jesus in worship, engaging in community, edifying the church, and embracing the mission. Let me just kind of share them as quickly as I can. Experiencing Jesus in worship. One of the major celebrations and praises for this past year was that we began a third service and we were able to sustain that third service throughout the entirety of the year. That may not sound like a big deal, but it's a huge deal when it's provided a safe environment for some that had to be very careful because of COVID and it's provided opportunity for people to come to the eight o'clock service, which has allowed more room for you in the 9.30 and the 11 o'clock services. That's a celebration. This year at Crosslink, we saw God do an incredible thing in this fact. Prior to the pandemic, just 24 months ago, the final quarter of 2019, as a church, we saw the largest faithful attendance we'd ever experienced, whether that be members or regular attenders praying about this being your church home, and then COVID hit. We all went into shutdowns and all those different things, and we've experienced, frankly, the church, the big C church has experienced a lot of repercussions of that. The average church today in America is averaging somewhere between 40 and 60% of their pre-COVID participation. That's a very sobering reality. But in the last quarter of 2021, we were able as a congregation to get to exact, the exact marking of our pre-pandemic participation. Which means we are literally right now amongst our three services in the same exact number of people who are here and engaged, who are connecting and striving to follow the Lord every single week. We praise God for that. One of the things that we celebrate in the midst of that is while God has been growing what he's doing here on campus and in our in-person attendance, at the same time, there are many of you, much more than a few years ago, who are engaging with us online Who would have ever thought we'd go into a pandemic and God would literally open the door for us to be further online and to start a ministry in a local Valley television? Just the other day, I went to Cracker Barrel. This is about two weeks ago. I went to Cracker Barrel and I walked in and I could tell a guy was looking at me. And I was in the restroom. It was very uncomfortable. It was odd. (laughs) Honest statement. I'm kind of eyeing this guy. Thing I'm gonna have to bring out my punches, you know? I don't know, and... He walks out and I feel a little better and I finally got outside and he said, You're Pastor Matt, aren't you? I said, I am. He said, We just buried my dad. I had never met this guy. We just buried my dad. He said, Man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Starts crying, right, right, I mean, right in the entry to the restrooms at Cracker Barrel. And he starts, but, but I wanted to thank you. I said, for what? He said, we didn't know if my dad was saved. Until after he died, we, we went to his room and we started cleaning things out and we opened his nightstand. and he had a Bible. We don't even know how he got the Bible. And the Bible was all marked up. And in the back of his Bible, he wrote out a prayer asking God to forgive him of all the things he'd done. The back three pages of his Bible would fill with all the bad things he'd done. That's a celebration of how God has worked and moved in ways that we never would have envisioned in the midst of a pandemic. In the midst of that, our children's ministry this year, this 2021, it not only relaunched, but right now we're ministering to 300 children every single month through the children's ministry. You may not feel it and you may not recognize it because we have three services and people aren't here every single week, but right now at Crosslink, we're ministering to between 1,800 and 2,000 different people every single month. In 2021, in Sunday morning gatherings, we saw over 60 people make professions of faith in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. And many of you are here to see this. 44 people, 44 people follow the Lord in baptism and we welcome 52 new members. That is God's work and we can't do that. That's not about crossing things. That is about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate that we're experiencing Jesus in worship. We celebrate that we're engaging in community. This past year, we saw people get comfortable again coming back to community groups and gathering in living rooms and gathering in different settings to study God's word and grow closer together. In fact, even in the midst of this time, this past year, we saw three brand new community groups started and three new Equip You ministries get started. The marriage is soon to come here in just a few weeks. These are all reasons for celebration. But can I say to you, in the area of engaging in community, there is much room for improvement Here's the good news. The good news is that half of the people involved in crossing right now are engaged in community through community groups or through our Equip You ministry. The bad news is that means another half of you are not engaged at all. Are you engaged? Are you doing life with other believers? Are you growing deeper in the Lord and in his word? The third means edifying the church. We largely edify the church through praying, through giving, and through serving. And there is great reason for celebration there. God has blessed, we are a praying church and God is working and moving in that way in incredible ways, but we are also a giving church. Can I just say to you, one of the areas of tremendous blessing to see how God has worked and moved even through this pandemic has been through your faithful and sacrificial generosity. Honestly, I, I still can't believe I can say this statement. I don't know of a single ministry need or need from a church member that has gone unmet in the past two years. That's insane. I, 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 don't, I don't know how else I can say that uh, without saying like, to God be the glory, thank you for your faithfulness. It is remarkable to see how God has provided. Even in the midst of the pandemic, we have given more to missions and to outreach, and we have done more for our ministry partners, both here and abroad, than we've ever done in the history of the church in the midst of a pandemic. It's remarkable. When we look at what God has allowed us to do, even with Crosslink Cares and blessing the medical community and law enforcement officers and partnering with the public school system to provide much needed resources, God has opened all these doors and there are reasons for celebrating because of your faithful generosity. In the midst of that, we've been able to pay off significant debt. In the midst of that, we've been able to save towards facility expansion that we'll talk about in just a moment. In the midst of that, we were able to add a much needed additional pastor this past year. Amen, little buddy. (laughs) But let me tell you, the next part of that, we praise the Lord for how so many people are serving. God has blessed, you can't have three services and you can't provide the children's ministry and the student ministry and the equip you. You can't do all these things without so many people faithfully serving the Lord. But can I just remind us that in the area, especially of serving, there is much room for improvement. You may not know this today, but I would just very directly say to you, the reason by God's grace that we've been able to do so much over the past year is because there are some who are going above and beyond doing so much. If you're serving the Lord in any capacity of ministry, I wanna look at you today and say, God bless you and thank you, and I believe great will be your reward in heaven. You may not know this, but there are some today who got here around seven o'clock to get everything set up in the parking lot. You may not know this, but even before today at seven o'clock, there was a group in the midst of the snow this week that got together to get everything ready for the children's ministry that's taking place right now. You may not know this, but our senior saints normally come every single week and they fold every worship guide by hand and they put everything in the back of the seats that you have available to you. They do it every single week. Many of those people who got here this morning that set up the parking lot and got the cones in place and made sure everything's set for hospitality, they're here for that eight o'clock service, they're here for the 9.30. Many of them will be here until the very end and when everything's done, they're gonna clean up before they go home. There are some doing so much. I wanna ask you, what part are you playing in that? How are you partnering together to serve for God's greater kingdom purposes? And finally, embracing the mission. There is so much to celebrate in embracing the mission. This past year, as we talk about the number of people who were saved and the number of people baptized, there's, there's a large way in which God has been working in that. This past year, for the first time ever at Easter, we had our Operation Egg Drop, where many of you took fun Easter eggs and you took them to your neighbors and you took them to communities. community. Some of you brought the entire neighborhood together as it provided a fun way to build relationships and to do what? To share the gospel. What a thought. Someone said, man, how in the world, in the midst of a pandemic, did we have so many people here for Easter? It was by God's working, but also God working through you as we were building relationships and inviting and sharing the gospel. This past summer we had the largest VBS ever, over 300 kids, and in one ministry event, over 50 decisions for Jesus. It's remarkable. Our student ministry, the largest student camp we've ever had. Color clash, over a hundred teenagers. That doesn't just happen, folks. A hundred different teenagers coming together to hear God's word, many making decisions to follow Christ. The point of the matter is we could keep going on. I would encourage you before you leave here today, go on our website, go to the bulletin boards that you see in the lobby, learn about our international mission partners, our local mission partners. Every single one of those ministries have not only been sustained, but have been furthered this year in part because of your faithful service, prayers, and generosity. God's working and he's moving. But let me take a moment today and share with you some upcoming plans. If y'all still with me, would you say, all right? right. I know this is a different message, but we need to hear it. Remember, the gospel is our why. It's the message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is the motive in all that we do, and it is our mission. And because it's our mission, let me share with you several areas of plans coming up here in the coming days. Number one, I wanna talk to you for just a moment about facility development bring you up to speed on something. We don't normally do this on a Sunday morning, but today provides a perfect opportunity. Prior to the pandemic, this time two years ago, we had a plan towards building a children's ministry wing on the end of this facility. And then of course, we went into shutdowns. And even when we returned and resumed, the one area of ministry that really was a challenge to relaunch was our children's ministry. And with that, as things have been relaunched, a lot of things are moving forward, but In the midst of the shutdowns, and even though it's been a few years almost, we've continued to pray, we continue to plan, and to prepare for whatever God would wanna do. So our pastors, our pastor's council, our leadership team, we have been meeting with another company here in the area to talk through what does the master plan look like? What can we do for the Lord's glory right here on this property? And out of that, God's really given some good clarity. In that, we've been able to clearly identify a phase one a phase two, and are even now praying about a phase three and what God might want to do further down the road. But in the coming year, this year, 2022, I believe by the end of spring, beginning of summer, we will be able to move forward with phase one. What is that? Phase one for us will be ultimately able to complete everything that is unfinished and is already under roof. You may not realize that right now at Crosslink, but did you know that on the other side of this wall upstairs and behind the wall upstairs, behind the windows in the deer stand, and the un- other side of that wall right there, there is unfinished space all around us. And our goal this year is going to be to complete everything that is unfinished. Let me tell you a few things that's it's going to do. The first thing that's going to do is it's going to give us a set location for our student ministry to meet. You may not know this, but the CLC across the way is used for about 120,000 different purposes every week, okay? Not really, but it is used and set up up and torn down about seven times a week, which is really exciting. (laughs) Having a set location for our student ministry to at least meet for their large group times is gonna be an incredible opportunity for them to have their space and to be able to grow. Amen. (laughs) Secondly... It's also gonna provide a second large space that will allow us opportunities for other Sunday morning gatherings, for equip you ministries, and allow us the space to consider starting ministries like Celebrate Recovery, like Divorce Care, like Grief Share, all of which are vitally important and needed ministries, especially in this day and time. The other thing this facility will allow us to do, this, this phase one, is it will allow us to move every single one of our church offices into one hallway together. Right now, we're all over the place in the facility. And that opens up eight more classrooms for our children's ministry that literally right now is growing by the week. That's what we're looking to do this year in 2022. That's a part of our facility development. Crosslink Cares Crosslink Cares is our major outreach to our community right here and God is right we're still praying about some of these things because God is opening doors that we some of them we didn't even envision right this moment God is opening some doors for us in partnership with the fairgrounds and in partnership with the medical community that that we're gonna share more of in the coming weeks so I'll just kind of save that for later this year at Vacation Bible School we are once again going to the fairgrounds we plan to take over the fairgrounds for two weeks that's gonna be cool Because our goal is to minister and to reach 500 children. What that means is, is it's gonna require all of us working together for the Lord's kingdom purposes. Finally, let me share this, and you'll hear more about this in the coming weeks. Greater things. Remember, greater things is our generosity focus. It began two years ago, before the pandemic began. We began to focus on greater things, asking God to do greater things than we could ask, think, or imagine. And it's a giving opportunity for our generosity. And what we've done is we've designated that greater things challenge to where 10% goes directly towards towards church planting and towards missions. 20% goes directly towards biblical stewardship and getting out of debt. And then 70% goes towards facility expansion. Let me share with you a praise of what God's done. Because of God's giving through you with greater things, we've done more for missions and outreach than we've ever done. But I believe God is giving us clarity and he's beginning to bring into focus what his missional efforts are for us and what church planting efforts are to look at. And so as we move forward into greater things, God's bringing that into clear focus this year. Biblical stewardship. At the current rate we are giving, that debt that almost crushed this church 15 years ago will be completely paid off by the start of 2025. Amen. If you know anything about the history of what God's brought us from, that debt has been a millstone for a long time and we're three years away from it being behind us. But as it relates to facility development and expansion, let me say this. If we partner together in this year, there are some tasks in phase one that some of our own people can do. We'll be hiring a contractor to help oversee and to facilitate much of the major things. Because of your generosity, we believe that we likely have already every penny we need to complete phase one. That's amazing. So that means as we launch forward into greater things this year, And what you're going to give in that, it means that every penny that you give that will go towards facility development will be for future expansion. Phase two will likely be a children's ministry wing and a large lobby that will connect the entire facility together. Greater things. So pastor, why do you share all this today? I share all this to remind us that it's all about the gospel. As we look towards ministry opportunities in the community as we look to expand facility, as we look towards communities that are a distance from us, that are in need of the gospel, and as we look to identify those places where churches need to be planted, as we move forward in all these things, I want to remind us loud and clear, it's all about the gospel. It is our message, it is our motive, it is our mission. Impacting the valley and blessing the nation By the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's my question. My question is this. Have you received the gospel by faith? Have you been saved? And if you have, what are you doing with what's entrusted to you? To what extent are you doing all that you can to make sure that the gospel message is proclaimed through your life? through your words, even through your sacrifices. Let's make sure that we are doing our part to come alongside of the Lord, joining him in his work, so that we are a part of his truth that is marching on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time together. I thank you for your love for us today. I thank you that the gospel came to me many years ago, that you allowed me to hear it, to receive it by faith. You saved my soul and changed my life. I praise you for that. But Lord, having received it, you now want it to be delivered through us for your glory and purpose. So Father, I pray in each of our lives and I pray here in this congregation that it really would be true, that the gospel would be not only our mission and our message, but our motive in all that we do. God, would you help us? We understand that we live in a challenging culture and in a trying time. We understand in our culture that the enemy is going to do anything and everything that he can to silence us and to, to, to blind hearts and mind and eyes from coming to faith in Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to proclaim the gospel message. Help us to be faithful, to demonstrate its power by living a life that's been transformed and changed. Father, as we celebrate today some of the things that you've done, we don't boast in ourselves or in our name because we know it's your gospel. It's your word. God, this is your church. This is your calling. It's all for your glory. And God, one day the day will come that I'll breathe my last and you'll have me buried and you'll raise up another leader and another servant. And God, you've given us right now, this time, this moment, this opportunity, this life, each breath to be lived for your glory and purposes. So Father, would you continue to work through our lives? I pray that we would surrender everything that you've entrusted to us. Would we surrender it to you so that you'd be glorified in and through us? Lord, I pray that each of us would have the same type of motto as did the Apostle Paul and the Apostles, that we would literally look to you and say, Lord, my life for the gospel. My life for the gospel. Have your way in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast.